So we've been talking about three different aspects of salvation that you can find in a scripture passage in 1 Corinthians 1.30, where it tells us that Jesus has become for the believer their righteousness, or another word for that I think is justification. So that's the past event where God counts us as righteous in his sight, forgives us of sins. It says Jesus has become our sanctification, which is what we talked about in the last video. And so where we have the past event of salvation, which is justification, it's this moment in time where our relationship with God was mended. Sanctification, again, is that aspect where even though our relationship with God is, is now good and we're free from our sin, we still have the problem of sinning, uh, of the weakness of our flesh that we continue to carry with us, even as followers of God and believers, we struggle and we stumble and we face different temptations. And Paul talks about this, this contrast in the believer of the new man versus the old man. And so sanctification is that process where God is making that new man, that new part of us, which is how he already identifies us. He doesn't identify us according to that old man, the flesh, that part of us that desires sin. He, he because of his grace, identifies us according to the new man that we have been created uh, according to Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. And so sanctification is where God's taking the new man, who we already are, and he's beginning to, to make Christ increase in us. He's making us more and more what he already sees us as. He's giving us more and more freedom from thinking according to the flesh. That is the process of sanctification uh, in a nutshell of God, make, he, he makes us holy. That's the present the, you could say the present tense aspect of salvation that the believer experiences throughout this life. It's something that is ongoing and continual throughout our life. But then there's the future aspect of salvation, which is what I want to talk about in this final video, talking about these aspects of salvation, and that is redemption. And redemption is the future. It's that future aspect of salvation where this is a salvation, a, a, a form of our salvation that we have not yet experienced. There's something that the Bible says we're still waiting for. So we have been saved. We are being saved. We are being sanctified and saved on a daily basis. And we will be saved. As believers, we have the hope of a, a future salvation that will take place. And I want to kind of give a, a quick uh, uh, kind of teaching about what that is, about what that future salvation will be and what it is that we need to be saved from and that we can have hope in Jesus that we're going to ultimately be saved from. So Romans 7, uh, 15 through 25, I think, gives us a good uh, little taste of what it is that as believers we need to be set free from, that I need to be set free from, that you need ultimate salvation from, where we can know that God, God sees us according to his mercy and kindness and he embraces us and accepts us. But here we're going to see that we still need something uh, to happen. So Romans 7, uh, again, verse 15 through 25, Paul says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. 
Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who am doing it, but it's sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Romans 7, what we're seeing here is a really good description of the believer's battle in this life, where, uh, and some would argue that this is this is a description of Paul pre-conversion, before he was saved, when he was living as an unbeliever, trying to live according to the law. I, I, I don't think so. I think this, this is a description of any person at any time who is living according to the power of the flesh, whose flesh is, is having moments of power over them. And the descriptions here of Paul where he's crying out and he's saying, I'm a wretched man. He's, he's saying things like, I delight in the law of God in my inner being. This, I think, is the uh, description of somebody who, who has the fear of the Lord and who has a belief and a trust in him and is pursuing relationship with him. And so I believe this describes, and this can be applied to any of you, any of us who believe in Jesus, we want to follow him, but we have this battle, this battle of sinful desires and sinful attitudes, sinful actions, selfish uh, motivations, all these things that we see God's law that says, be this way. And what Paul's saying, what that produces within this body that we, we this body of sin is what it will be called in other places, our our body responds with sinful emotions, sinful desires. Again, this is this is something that God is presently on a day-to-day basis we can be saved from as we look to him and his grace for us. He saves us and he slowly, little by little, uh, uh, from faith to faith, he changes us and he sanctifies us. He changes the way we think about him. So he's doing that. There's that present salvation we can experience, but I think the, the biblical teaching is that we're never going to be fully perfected in this life. We, Because we are still walking around in these bodies that have sinful desires, we still have these weaknesses. The, our, our bodies still respond to things in, in a weak way. Um, we need delivered from that. And so this describes this struggle of the believer that we need even though we're being saved, we need an ultimate salvation, the salvation that's coming in the future. And what's going to happen, what I believe this redemption is, this future aspect of salvation, part of it, and a big part of it, is that God is going to deliver us out of this body of death. Like Paul's crying out, I think, in, in a way he's crying out for that future aspect of salvation. This is the cry, I think, of a child of God who loves God, wants his will, and is in his inner man, he's grieved at this 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 uh, this struggle in the world and the, the weakness of the flesh. And, and Paul knows that there's an ultimate day when Jesus comes that we're going to be delivered fully and finally out of this sort of experience. So redemption, the future aspect of salvation, I think is uh, it, it's, it's a redemption. It's deliverance out of Romans 7. It's a deliverance out of this this any type of this Roman seven experience where we're where we're going to be delivered out of uh, these fallen bodies and given new bodies and so Romans eight twenty three through twenty five I think kind of shows us this so really what's what I think is going to happen is, is there's a sense in which you can say we're delivered out of the Roman seven experience and into an ultimate Romans eight experience of of 
a complete and, and full walking in the spirit at all times, in all places. Um, and I think, again, that's not to say that we can't do that now. We are called and we're, we're commanded to walk in the spirit now, today, wherever you're at, to refuse sin. This isn't an embracing of sin saying, well, we're in these bodies and we're just going to have to fail and fall until Jesus comes. That's not it at all. And that goes back to, I think, a little bit of the last video again, where there is power. There is power to lay hold and grab hold of the sanctification that God has offered us. This is something that uh, there, there's victory over sin that is made available by his grace. We have to embrace that, though. We have to choose, like Romans 8 says, to set our minds not on the flesh, but on the things of the spirit. And so even though we're still waiting for that ultimate redemption, that is not an excuse to just be lazy and embrace sin. And I think for most of us, that's not that's not going to be the attitude of our minds. Those who who just really, you know, we might struggle, but we want God. We want his will. We want obedience. We want purity. We want faithfulness. We want goodness, kindness, love. You know, we want the fruit of the spirit manifested in our lives. We don't want an excuse to sin. We want to figure out how do we get free from this Romans 7 experience. For those, it's really those kind of people that this is for. Um, if, if, uh, if, you know, if there's people that hear this sort of message and it leads them to want to go and just pursue sin, um, I think God's going to have to deal and bring them out of that and show them that that's not the way that they want to go. But ultimately, all that is to say we can't have victory today. And so even though we're waiting for that future redemption, there is a victory on a day-to-day basis as we learn and continually learn more and more to rely on the Spirit and set our minds on the Spirit, on God's promises by faith. He sanctifies us and he gives us salvation. But even in that, there's going to be temptations. There's going to be weakness. There's probably going to be failures. And so it's that that I think Romans 8 shows us ultimately is the salvation that we're waiting to be uh, redeemed from that experience. And so, again, Romans 8, 23 through 25, Paul says, And not only the creation... But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So it says we groan inwardly as sons. Why do we groan inwardly? And what is this groan that we're groaning for? Well, I think it's the groan of Romans 7.24, where Paul's saying, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? I need deliverance out of this body of sin that desires and that has these wrong emotions, these wrong thoughts, these that, that is selfish, that is prideful, that, you know, whatever your sin is, uh, these things that we uh, and our bodies are bent toward uh, and we feel this weakness, the cry, the, the, the groan inwardly that we have is that we want redemption out of this. We want freedom out of this. I think that's a big part of it. And so what causes, you see in here, the, the, uh, the source almost, the source you could say, of a person being able to have this groan. And what is it? Well, he says it's in verse 23 again, it's, it's we who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly. So as believers, we have this first fruit of the spirit, which goes back to justification and sanctification. We have this real relationship with God where we've experienced and we've tasted and seen that he is good. We've tasted and seen his faithfulness in our lives. But then we see our weakness we see our failures. And what it does is it leads to this groan where it's, it's this groan that says, I need help. I need, I need, I got to save me and he's good, but I, I, my body is fallen and I need ultimate deliverance from this experience of weakness. And so 
And, and so listen to this again in verse 23. He says, we wait eagerly for redemption, for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Okay, and so remember back, we're, we're speaking out of 1 Corinthians 1.30 that says Christ is our righteousness he's our, or our justification. He's our sanctification and he's our redemption. That's 1 Corinthians 1.30. Here, we're seeing Paul saying that he's using that same word again. He's using that word redemption. And he says, what we're waiting for is the adoption of sons. So what, what is the adoption of sons? He's going to describe in a little bit more detail what, it, what he means by adoption. It's the redemption of our bodies. So even though God looks at us and he calls us sons, he identifies us as sons. He identifies us as saints, not sinners, as righteous, not children of wrath. We are good with God. We're, we're, that, that's the motivation. That's the, that's the encouragement. That's the power and strength to live a holy life is knowing that God identifies us as his children, even in the midst of having this experience of weakness in our bodies. So it says we're waiting for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Again, Paul's using that same word from 1 Corinthians 1.30, the future aspect of salvation, redemption. The redemption we're waiting for, this aspect, this future aspect of salvation that I think we're waiting for is to be delivered out of these fallen, these bodies that are dying, are, that our bodies are, uh, uh, they're impacted by sin, by sickness, by, by weakness, but there's going to be a day when they're not. There's going to be a day when our bodies are going to be transformed. We're going to be redeemed out of these fallen bodies. Our bodies will be made new, I think. He's going to make all things new, including these fallen bodies that are subject to weakness. They will no longer be subject to weakness. And so, so the adoption of sons, there's a sense in which we are already sons. We're already sons of God. But there's, there's this other aspect of adoption where, where it's like God's fully, he's finalized the deal. Um, and, and so that's what we're waiting for in the future. And you can see in 1 John 3, chapter 2, you see uh, kind of more of what this is going to look like, I think. So 1 John 3, 2, John says, Beloved, or beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So what is this future aspect of salvation that we're waiting for as believers? Well, we're waiting for this moment when Jesus is going to come a second time. Here's a description of what it's going to look like when Jesus comes. It says those who are following him who believe in him, they're going to see him as he is. If you remember Jesus, when he resurrected, uh, many people didn't recognize him. And I think a big part of that was because he was in a glorified body. His body had, he had resurrected uh, he, he, he subjected himself being God. He laid that aside. He became a, a fallen weak, uh, uh, oh, not a fallen in the sense of sin, but he experienced the weakness of human flesh. He clothed himself in human flesh. He experienced that when he resurrected, his body was no longer subject to that same weakness. He had a resurrected body, a spiritual body is what, uh, places in first Corinthians, I think 15 will say in the same way. When we see him, just the power of seeing him as he is, there's going to be 
power uh, beyond what we can comprehend right now, the power of seeing him in all of his glory and his goodness and his love and his, uh, is just light. And so just in the same way, when you're in a dark room, it's dark, you can't see things rightly. Maybe there's like a, a faint light, you can barely make things out. What happens when you turn on the light is everything is exposed and, and light brings, uh, it eliminates the darkness. I think in the same way you can think about that and what's going to happen to our bodies, these bodies that have darkness in them, in a sense, when Jesus comes, the light of who he is, the goodness of who he is, is going to uh, it's going to saturate everything that we are and our bodies will be made fully perfect. We're going to be redeemed out of our fallen bodies into perfect bodies that are no longer subject to that Romans 7 kind of struggle and weakness. So as a final um, encouragement for that, I want to just go to Philippians uh, chapter 3. Philippians 3, and I'm going to look at verse um, 8. If I can find it, there we go. First, uh, or Philippians 3, verse 8 through 14. Um, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. There's so much here, but first that last portion, it says, I press on, what is he pressing on to? Well, well he says, I've not already obtained this perfection. Like I'm pressing on to become perfect. I'm, I'm pressing on to be made more like Christ. That's the goal, that's our goal. We wanna be made like Christ in our thinking, in our desires, in our emotions, in our attitudes, in our actions. That was Paul's goal. He wanted to attain to, to that same measure, I think, of righteousness that Jesus had, or that we will have in the resurrection. There's this amount of righteousness, which is perfection, that we will attain at the resurrection. Paul, in this life, wanted to get as close to that amount of sanctification, I think, as he possibly could. By any means, he wanted to become like Jesus. And so the encouraging thing here is at the end, he says the reason, the motivation for him to have this desire to be holy and to be made like Jesus, it it wasn't a motivation of fear. It was, wasn't a motivation of he was trying to do all these things so that he could eventually earn God's favor and God's acceptance. Listen again to what he says. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Paul's motivation to want to be righteous, to want to be made like Jesus, wasn't fear of hell. It wasn't fear of, of, of trying to get God's approval and feeling like he didn't have it yet. Paul's motivation was the fact that he knew Jesus has already made us his own, which is justification, righteousness. Jesus has already, he had already laid hold of Paul and said, you are mine. I accept you as you are. Uh, I don't, I'm not waiting for you to become something. I accept you as you are on the basis. Again, Philippians uh, 3, back to verse 9, this is dependent 
on faith. This is a righteousness from God. It's not a righteousness that we work up. It's not a righteousness that we perform by our observance of ordinances or, or feasts or, or uh, uh, law keeping or anything like that. It's a righteousness that's from God. It comes down out of heaven onto us as a gift on the basis of faith. So Paul's motivation and our motivation to press forward in this present tense uh, uh, aspect of salvation, pressing on toward holiness, pressing on toward being made like Jesus, the motivation should be because we know that Jesus has already laid hold of us. He's already said, I, I forgive you, I embrace you, I accept you, um, even though you might be in the middle of that Romans 7 experience where you are doing the things you don't want to do, the things you want to do, you don't do, and you're in that struggle. We can know that because of faith, Jesus, those who look to Jesus on faith, those who run to him for refuge in the midst of that, Jesus says, you are mine. He lays hold of us as his own. And out of that mercy that we experience from him, that becomes the motivation to press on toward greater measures of sanctification. And it, and it gives us the hope knowing that because we know we're already accepted, we can have the hope to know that in the final days, when, when Jesus comes back, we're going we're gonna to experience that future aspect of salvation, which is Christ coming, the resurrection of the dead, when the dead in Christ will rise first, and uh, those who might be alive at his coming will be caught up in the air <clears throat> to meet him. And when we see him, we'll be made like him, fully redeemed out of these uh, the body of sin. There's places that Paul will, will call these fallen bodies, he'll call it the body of sin. Um, he'll say in, in Romans 8, he'll say the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So he acknowledges that there's these two aspects, again, of, of the believer, where there's this God, God's credited us with righteousness, but yet we're in these bodies that are dead in a sense because of sin. And so there's that the, the hope that we have by faith in Christ alone uh, that, that because of God's grace, we can have the hope, we can, we can live with the hope, we can wake up, we can go to sleep, we can work, we can do whatever we're doing with the hope knowing that when Christ comes, we will be accepted and he's going to redeem us from these bodies. He's going to redeem us and give us a full and final victory over sin.